The purpose of my life is to be a connecting superhero for every visionary who shares their stories with the world. So I never get tired of it. It's really fun, very lucrative, endlessly gratifying, and it allows me to spend as much time as I want with my family, which is even better than that, because I know what it's like not to have a dad around. This is the Beats Working Show. We're on a mission to redeem work, the word, the place, and the way. I'm your host, Mark Wright. Join us at Winning the Game of Work. Welcome to Beats Working. So here's a question I think we've all struggled with. Is it possible to put your family first and succeed in business? My guest today is Chicago journalist and entrepreneur Justin Breen. He says the answer is yes, and why would anyone not put their family first? In 2017, Justin Breen used a 50% pay cut as a journalist as inspiration to create a new kind of global PR company. He calls it Brepic Communications. He reached out to 5,000 companies to get his first five clients, and the rest is history. As a journalist, Breen says PR companies annoyed him for 20 years. So he created a firm that not only didn't annoy journalists, it created content they can actually use. Justin Breen is the author of two books. The first one came out in 2020. It's called Epic Business, 30 Secrets to Build Your Business Exponentially and Give You the Freedom to Live the Life You Want. His newest book is Epic Life, How to Build Collaborative Global Companies While Putting Your Loved Ones First. His latest venture is an exclusive platform that connects top-level entrepreneurs called Brepic Network. He says it's like LinkedIn without the BS. And I have to tell you, this was a no-BS interview. It is brutally honest, as Justin pulls back the curtain on what it truly means to be an entrepreneur. And I think that's what I appreciated most about our conversation, is Justin's no-nonsense approach to what it takes to be successful at work and especially at home. Well, Justin Breen, welcome to the Beats Working Podcast. It's really cool to have you here. It's nice to talk to an entrepreneur who happens to be a journalist. That's awesome. I love it. So, Justin, as I was thinking about talking with you today, there are three main reasons that I was super excited to talk with you today. First is you are a former journalist who not only figured out how to reinvent yourself you figured out a way to reimagine an entire industry. I don't know if the PR industry knows that you've reimagined them. Number two, you're a dad first and an entrepreneur second. I love that. I think we need more of that in our country. And the other thing that I find super intriguing, Justin, is that you are unafraid to say this. My time and services are extremely valuable. Oh. And if you want to pay me that, great. Let's work together. But you're not afraid to, to just say, I'm valuable and I want to explore that. So... Man, welcome to the podcast. We've got a lot to cover in a little Thank under an you. hour. So let's, yeah, let's start out, man. I would love to know a little bit more about your 20-year career as a journalist, because I know that was the impetus of you starting your own, your own PR company. But take me back. How did you get into journalism in the beginning? Well, uh, I still am a journalist. Uh, I'm just an entrepreneur. I, I mean, people... People like us are usually aliens within our own family, community, and verticals. The only people that understand us are top entrepreneurs on planet. So when I was a journalist, surrounded by journalists, they had no idea what I was talking about, and I didn't know why they were covering negative news. Or I don't, I never understood any of that stuff. And then I've been this person my whole life, uh, and was just born with a story at the highest level, and then have always been able to connect people. And then before this, you asked me to fix my microphone, and that's, for me, I, I mean, things a monkey can do, a child can do, I don't know how to do them. But in terms of <laughs> simplifying someone's story and connecting geniuses to geniuses, it's like breathing for me. Um, so what I found is the only people that understand what I'm talking about are the top entrepreneurs on the planet. So I just hang out with them and then connect them. Which is a lot of fun. That doesn't answer any of your question, but that's what my brain did. So, what kind of a journalist were you? Was it print? Uh, what anything, was it? anything. The last job I had before, before starting this, I was at a news site called DNA Info Chicago, um, which was owned by Joe Ricketts, whose family owns the Cubs, and um, so we covered 
it started in Manhattan, then it went to the five boroughs of New York City, and then they expanded to uh, Chicago. I was the third person hired there as a senior editor, um, and then just wrote about and covered cool people changing the world. They just all happened to live or had ties to the city of Chicago proper. Um, and then I was just constantly connecting them to other people like that. That was just what I was doing naturally. That was a great fit because, you know, journalism world, as you know, uh, rejection, rejection, rejection. So I was rejected from every, basically every outlet paper in Chicago before uh, ending up at DNA Info. So it was a good learning experience for entrepreneurs. So I'd love to talk about how you started your PR company. Um, I guess the impetus, you and I are, are sort of in the same boat. Uh, little over a year ago, uh, my, my managers came to me and handed me a one-page separation agreement and said, uh, you're done. Entrepreneur uh, life. And, uh, yeah. and so, uh, and you know, the company was preparing to sell to a hedge fund, and that's kind of the way the industry is going. So I was, I was too life. expensive. Figure it out. Yeah. yeah. So, so they came to you and said, uh, here's, here's a 50% pay cut. Uh, <laughs> and at that point, you decided uh, that's, that's not a great uh, advancement for my career. So is that when you decided... I'm out, and I'm, I'm going to start my own company. Well, um, I'll give you the the timeline um, because uh, you're a journalist, and I know you'll appreciate it. And then I'm guessing the audience will as well. But so February 10th, 2017, had had the meeting uh, where they cut job salary in half. Um, uh, tried to find a full time job, uh, couldn't find a job. Uh, April 16th, 2017, which was six days after my 40th birthday, uh, I incorporated, uh, zero business background. I still don't know what an S corp is. I don't care about any of that stuff. It's boring to me. Um, so then, and then, so over the next six weeks, while I was working full time at half the salary, uh, reached out to 5,000 people to find first five clients. So most people can't, I mean, they're not meant to do that. And I got fifth client uh, June 1st, 2017, resigned June 2nd, and then June 5th, Robert Feeder, who's now since retired, which is very interesting. He was the top media columnist in the Midwest at the time. He did a story and started my own firm. So that was the timeline of starting first company. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I love your entrepreneurial lens because all the great entrepreneurs have taken an annoyance or a problem yes and they've used their expertise or their their superpowers to turn yes. that into a business idea i love how you say <laughs> my company is based on being annoyed by pr right. people for 20 years oh i know you appreciate that so i i again like i don't even know what pr firms do other than annoy journalists uh, <laughs> i know i mean like it's funny but i it's so um i'm either Spent my here's my entire day Monday through Friday. Um, it's either spending time with my family or talking to the world's top entrepreneurs. So not humans, not business owners, not consultants, just pure visionaries. And then my brain, which I'm guessing is similar to yours, I hear blah 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 blah, and then simplify into an answer. Blah 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 blah, simplify into a pattern. Blah blah blah, simplify, connect to another. So that's what my brain does. And then don't ask me to fix my microphone or look at the camera because I, I, I'm not here <laughs> about that. So you're blah, 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 simplify. Okay, so every answer I have will be a blah, 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 uh, simplify uh, answer. So the formula for creating a successful global company is very simple. It's surprisingly simple, but most people won't reach out to 5,000 people to find first five clients because they don't, they don't, they're not the top entrepreneur on the planet. Okay. So here's the formula. You see a problem. Create solution, problem solve, successful global companies. So see a problem, create solution, problem. It's the same formula. So all I hear from these people is they were annoyed by something, they saw a loophole, they created the solution to it. They didn't complain or make an excuse. They just did it. They made the investment, wrote the check, solved it, successful global company. So I was a journalist for 20 years, created an entire business model based on how pre-R firms annoyed me for 20 years, solved the problem, successful global company. It's the same formula. I mean, the book Epic Life, How to Build Collaborative Global Companies While Putting Your Loved Ones First, I hear the same problem. Entrepreneur who's torched their family or never had a family or never had anything meaningful, but entrepreneur life, that's a problem. Create a solution book. 
found themselves successful global companies. The same, it's the same formula. So let's pull back the curtain a little bit for people who uh, have not been former journalists. Uh, you know, a typical press release that we get from PR companies. Yeah, we have to talk most of the time. That. It's not a story. It's never oh, a story. Never. Most of the time, but I, I want to. I, I want. I, but I want to contrast it with 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 your model, which is completely uh, a solution to this. But many times a day, you'll get a, a PR firm press release in your inbox, <coughs> and and they're pitching you what they they call, "Hey, this is a great story. You should come over and cover the fact that this restaurant is opening." Oh. And and so, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, it's not a story. And the thing that I don't think most people understand. A lot of journalists work in the PR for uh, world, but m most of the people in PR graduated from colleges with degrees in public relations. Yeah. The difference between a PR grad and a journalist with decades of experience is that you and I have spent decades looking at a sea of information, deciding what's relevant, and then figuring out how to right. tell that in a way that resonates with an audience. Right. The PR folks pitch you this stuff as if it's gold, and they're like, how, co how come you didn't want to cover that? Amazing. Shocking. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so you decided to to take a turn from that. You decided to give actual value. So, talk about uh, just in a more it's granular. The same formula. Way. See a problem create. It's the right. Yeah, it's the same yeah. formula. But I don't. So I'm a very simple person. Uh, either spending time with my family or talking to the top visionaries on planet, and then I see the pattern, and then I actually do something about it. Um, I, um, there's 34 strength finders, 34 of them, Gallup clicked in strength finders. I'm dead last in empathy, second to last in inquisitor. So, uh, but for top visionaries, top entrepreneurs on planet, I have endless empathy, endless inclusion, endless, because I understand what it takes without exception, without exception to get to a certain level. There are no excuses. So people make an excuse or ask, what do you cost or charge? I'm like, I don't, or don't think globally or want to stay small or want to just be a consultant. I, I don't understand that. It's confusing to me. And then when I was an entrepreneur who happened to be a journalist, I, I, had, I did not understand political news or negative news or shootings. Like I don't, it's or yeah. lengthy meetings. It was, I didn't understand. So they, for 20 years, they gave me weird jobs to do because they didn't know what to do with me because people like me are usually aliens within our own family community and verticals. So nobody understood what I was doing. And they're like, just go off and do whatever you want to do. Um, and then saw the problem over and over and over hundreds of times a day for 20 years. And so I'm like, oh, well, uh, this can be done this way. It's a pretty good solution. And then I knew it really was going to work when PR firms laughed at me <laughs> because they don't know what they're doing. So I always know the real success is when a human laughs at me and they don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, oh, then it's going to work because I don't talk to humans. I just talk to the top so the reason that companies hire PR firms, obviously, is they, they want the public to know about them. They want, they want them to know about their services and, and their yeah. story. And, but, and that's what I've, when, when I've been approached by friends who own businesses, I, I'm like, okay, let's sit down. Let's do a story audit. Let's talk about all the people within your company. What do they do at work? What do they do at home? Mm -hmm. What are their interests? Who, yeah, who's super interesting in your that. company? I only yeah, care but in terms of identifying stories, yeah, um, it it it's helpful, I think, for companies to to understand that sometimes a story, like I'll tell you a story. When I was working as a journalist, this this picture of a McDonald's worker, I think it was in Chicago, just went oh. viral, millions and millions of views. Mm -hmm. A man with special needs uh, was having trouble eating. This McDonald's employee came up and said, "Sir, do you need do you need some help uh, eating?" And yeah. uh, the guy said, "Yeah." So. Someone took a picture of this McDonald's worker helping this man eat lunch, right? And uh, it just blew up. And and it's just like, okay, there's an example of what most companies don't get is do good, be good, and people right. will find out about you, right? right. Yeah, I I yeah. would agree with that. I just focus uh, my energy on what the visionary is doing good because without the visionary, there's no employee. Without Ray Kraft or Croft, there's no McDonald's. So I just like to connect yeah. people like that. Is anyone in the PR world doing doing it right in your mind, or are they still just stuck that. in the old model? I don't, like I don't pay attention yeah. to that at all. Yeah, I don't. I completely ignore that. Well, then give us an idea, Justin, if you would, about just when you do work with these visionaries and their companies, what does that process look like? 
Yeah, so at the highest level, there is no competition, only collaboration. So companies' entire process is on the website. There's no, because I never knew what PR firms did. I, they, There's never any answers to that. So my company's entire process is on the website. There's no, so all my firm does is write stories, comes link on partner's website. So it looks like a story you see in the Seattle Times. Take that link, pitch it to media. Media's interested. Put them in touch with partner. That's it. Um, I, I mean, so I haven't done anything outbound in years. You just create value for highest performing people. They create value for you. Um, I found all this other stuff takes care of itself. But anyone could do. Anyone could take that. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. Um, they don't have my network, and they don't have the relationships or the mindset. So it's. I mean, it wouldn't matter anyway. So. I just, you know, I, I don't mind having the solution out there because it's, it helps everyone. And I know there's so much opportunity out there. There's endless abundance that it doesn't really matter. You said that in 2018, I think it was, you made more money than you'd ever made in a year in your life. And you said you were miserable. Never um, more miserable. Tell me yeah. about that. Well, um, <laughs> journalists, most journalists do not get into this for money some do very few but some do but yeah. as a journalist for the most part you're getting into that because you like telling cool stories and connecting people and you know purpose and all that stuff and uh so end of 2018 had made more money than i ever thought possible in one year because you don't you're not in this for the money for the most part. And then I'm like, well, and I've never been more miserable. So I'm like, uh, that doesn't make any sense. That was a, an interesting experience. Um, but endlessly grateful that, that I went through that because it, um, uh, it was just a wonder. Everything to me is a learning experience, everything. Um, and that's where you truly learn is the really tough times. And again, that's what separates entrepreneurs from humans. The entrepreneurs look at those experiences is valuable and then the people who are not like that they use it as negative further down the hole or an excuse entrepreneurs figure it out so yeah it was a it was a wonderful learning experience very difficult at the time but i mean this is what separates entrepreneurs from humans um uh and not silver spoons that's that's a different but entrepreneurs from business owners humans consultants all I do is talk to entrepreneurs. So I haven't met one of those folks that hasn't overcome at least one of the following four things. Uh, everyone I talk to is threes and fours now. Um, I haven't talked to anyone less than three in the last two years. A couple years ago, there was a two, and that really surprised me. But So here, here these are the four things that separates entrepreneurs from 99.9%. So one is bankruptcy or potential bankruptcy. Two, depression. Three, highest level of anxiety that you can imagine. Four, likely and or possible traumatic experiences as a child or young adult. So for humans, business owners, consultants, yeah. those are excuses. Entrepreneur at the highest level, you know, figure it out. That's that's all it is. So, uh, you know, whenever I talk to an entrepreneur and they're talking about all this great stuff that they're up to, which is awesome, I always bring up those four things or ask about their family and then <laughs> I bring up those four things and then a true entrepreneur is like check, 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 or check, 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 <laughs> or check, mm, check, check. So there's no twos. Or, and then usually small business owners, consultants, humans are like one or two. Uh, that's that's what it is. Yeah. So you lost your dad when, when you were 13 and, and uh, I mean – I'm guessing that's why you say I'm a dad first, right? I'm a dad first. Why would, so I second. appreciate you saying that. Like, it's illogical to me. Again, see a problem. It's illogical to me yeah. that anyone would not want to be a dad first. It's illogical. And Absolutely. It's But, <laughs> I mean, so people are like, because the epic life is like, how to build collaborative global <laughs> companies while putting your loved ones first. And they're like, what? Really? That's a good message. I go, how what is that crazy that's the idea. Only message? How is that not? <laughs> how is that not? But it's 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 amazing to me that that's the problem. But uh, that's what it is because again, entrepreneurs, not humans, entrepreneurs, most damaged people, the most damaged, the most of those four things with the the best coping skills. So they're the highest IQ, 
highest EQ, most courage, most hustle, most guts. Uh, a regular human could not build a, a massive global company with those four things. They couldn't. They couldn't do it. They would join another company. Yeah. They would stay, They wouldn't. So I have endless empathy for that. But then those coping skills are used to create all this stuff, and certainly not always, but many times at expense of family, anything meaningful. I'm like, well, that's not. You don't have to do that. You don't. And and then if you're not a litmus test for people you serve, that's hypocrisy. So purpose of my life is to be connecting superhero for every visionary so not only visionaries not business owners no only visionaries who shares their stories with the world not not there i don't understand their worldview so i'm a visionary sharing my story with the world and then i love to serve uh parents who happen to be entrepreneurs so i'm a dad who happens to be an entrepreneur i mean it, it's just being a litmus test for the people you serve Justin, what amazes me about your story is that, well, it doesn't amaze me now that, I, that I'm, I'm getting to, to see, <laughs> right. you know, how, how driven you are and how focused you are. Mm. If you were just an average journalist and you started your own company, I mean, hundreds and thousands of, of journalists have done that. But you went from no company to this blowtorch of a company in, in just a, a, like a couple of years. Right. Um. How did you get any pushback from companies like, oh, you haven't done this for long? No, or, no, no, or what, no. What was that no, process no, like? No, 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 Visionary would never ask that question. No, nope. That's yeah. So, no, so no, no. You, I reached out to 5,000. So, my no, no, no. So my father was. 61 when I was born, shot down multiple times in combat in World War II, many times without a parachute, got back into a plane. No, no, no. You either can do that or no, no, no. <laughs> one, of my, one of our PR partners, his grandfather was decapitated in front of him in Burma. He went to Hong Kong with $10 in his pocket when he was a kid with his dad. They created two eight-figure businesses, and then he hired a PR firm because uh, – uh, because, um, he created an at-home robot to help people with Alzheimer's dementia that has like a pill dispenser and a drone on it. Uh, his mom has Alzheimer's dementia, so he created a solution for that. No, no. Did you push back? No, no. no. <laughs> that's that's entrepreneur life. That's people can't. That's why most people can't do this. No. Um, you've joined some really high-level strategic organizations. Yeah. Um, Dan Sullivan's organization. Yes. Um, are you a part of entrepreneurs organization? I was, I was, yeah. I was on the board of Yale Chicago for a long time. Um, tell me how, how did that, how did that help you grow your mm. network and grow your business? Well, when you talk to people most of your life, who don't understand what you're talking about. That's probably not a good idea. So, um, the strategic coach and then, uh, uh, abundance 360, I finally found people who actually understood what I was talking about and more importantly can actually uh, actually learn from them uh, I like to be the dumbest person in the room otherwise I'm in the wrong room so again see a, a pattern pattern so I just keep making bigger investments in smaller rooms but the people in those rooms are making bigger impact that allows me to spend biggest investment biggest check in smallest room which is my family where I can make the most impact and again uh, litmus tests for people you serve so if you if you're asking people to invest more and more in your company and you don't invest more and more in yourself, then you're not being a litmus test for the people you serve. So it always goes back to the same formulas for me. But again, what separates entrepreneurs from everyone else is they don't the entrepreneurs don't make excuses. They just write the check. That's it. There's no regardless of pushback or anything, you just you just do it. Get back into a plane. Period. So your book came out uh, in the spring of twenty twenty. Um, the first one, Scott Epic Arnold. Business. Yeah. yeah, you would like yeah, that perfect. one. Did you read that one? I haven't had a chance to read you would, it. Yet. You I, would I, like I, I that will. one. You would really relate to that at a very because you're when you start a business. One of the chapters in there, and sorry for interrupting, but one of the chapters mm -hmm. is when you start a business. It takes two full years to really figure things out, and you're one year into journey. Um, you would really. I wrote. I literally wrote that book to help people in your situation. Like literally, that's why I wrote. That's one of the reasons that I was super excited to talk with you today is that we literally have a generation of journalists who are having to try to figure out what's next because right. the, the traditional journalism, as you know, is imploding right now. And there I are ignore no visionaries. it. I haven't watched the yeah. news. I haven't read a paper in years. Oh. I ignore that because entrepreneurs ignore that. Rule. 
Yeah. Shows yeah. like these so are let's replacing talk, them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because um, it's actually relevant and it's not 20 seconds long. So, um, <laughs> but right. what I would love is, um, I'm hoping that some journalists or, or former, you know, recently former journalists are listening to this mm. episode because you are such a great example of someone who um, has pivoted in a way that is is just exponential. And yes. uh, so I would love for you to talk to that to that journalist out there who's there's maybe nothing struggling. I can, no, no, there's nothing I can say to no. that person. You're either born like this or you're not. No, no, no. Huh. There's nothing I can say to that person. No, because you, you're if people. You're either you're either born like this to do this or not. They don't need to be inspired by someone like me. They're either someone. Uh, got it. That, no, they don't. That's no. That's um. So I guess what I will say, if if it's someone who's talking to people and they don't understand, if no one else understands what they're talking about, then they're probably an alien. That should not yeah. be in. I hate using the word should, but that should not be in typical world. But no, no, no. Like, like I have I have zero business background. I I don't I didn't know you had to pay taxes four times a year or anything like that. I mean, there's <laughs> there's nothing to like. Did you read up on my parents? Did, I, did you read up about them besides my dad? Uh, I've, I listened to uh, a podcast that went into your, your mom's background. Was She was a nurse. You yeah. said she was just super tenacious, and that's oh, where you got the best part of your okay. Okay. personality. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. For, yeah, yeah. Right. So, I, yeah, I just don't want <clears throat> to repeat things that you might already know. But So my dad was 61 when I was born. My mom was 27. And then was just born with the story. My my father, uh, 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 he kept his a diary uh, of him fighting in the Battle of the Hurricane Forest toward the end of World War II. I found it after he died. I write exactly like he does. Uh, Man's Search for Meaning is number one, Victor Frankl. If anyone hasn't read that, um, I don't know why. Any, I mean, that's number one. And then my dad's diary is pretty close to that in terms of the horrors and horrificness of what he survived. Uh, some of the excerpts from that are in, in the newer, newer book, Half of Life. But um, okay, so and then he became attorney in Nazi war crime Nuremberg trials. Um, and okay, so and then when he was in his late fifties, a drunk driver hit him. Uh, a drunk driver killed. Dad broke every bone in his body, but survived because you don't figure it out. And then my mom was his nurse. Uh, my dad woke up. He thought he was dead. He thought my mom was an angel, but it was my mom. Um, and then she wanted him to date her mom because they were the same age. But my mom and my dad wanted a family because he had survived literally. I mean, he was so he was born in 1960. So he survived World War One, the Spanish flu, the Depression, World War Two uh, came from nothing. Him and his three brothers came from nothing, nothing. Um, Came attorney in Nazi war crime Nuremberg trials, president of an insurance company. Uh, my dad's best friend was killed in a famous mafia hit, and then one of my first memories is he tried to hide us, uh, hide us, because he thought he was going to get killed next. Um, and then, um, and so he survived all all of that, and then, then he had all this wisdom and love, so he wanted to start a family, um, and then so he wanted to date my mom instead. And then my mom is the ultimate surviving thriver. No excuse. I mean, the alt not an entrepreneur, um, uh, but the highest level of like what she's overcome. <laughs> most people, well, no, everyone, <laughs> even the top entrepreneurs, I don't think they could have handled. So that's and then I'm a you know, a combination of that if you really want to think about it. But so genetically, I can. I mean, genetically in blood, literally. My dad, every day that he was alive, would say the cream rises to the top. So I got just enough of that until age 13 to understand kind of what he meant. But now I really understand it. Yeah. Did he ever talk? I know that generation mostly didn't ever talk about their war experiences. Hmm. Did he ever talk about that with you when he was alive? So, Mark, that's the best question you've asked. I really like that question. I really like it. So... He did not talk about him fighting, and that's why that diary is so valuable to me. 
for so many reasons, and I'm so grateful for it. If ever a little bit of an excuse pops into my head, I'll go down and read that diary because <laughs> it just gets worse and worse and worse. Uh, <laughs> I, can I tell you this one story real quick? What one of the oh, diaries? Absolutely. Oh, and then oh wait, wait. Yeah. I'm gonna backtrack. Hold on. So the what he did talk about, what he did talk about, which is training, and my favorite story of that, which, uh, and then I'll get back to the diary. But so in fourth grade. My, I don't know. My dad was dropping something off at school. I remember this. And, and uh, I told my teacher, I'm like, oh, yeah, my dad was in World War II. And she, you know, that's a confusing thing to say to a <laughs> in fourth grade. And that should be your grandfather. So, so she's like, oh, can you talk to the kids? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, dad, dad, tell them the story about the rattlesnake. Tell them the story about the rattlesnake. So these are human children, right? They don't get scared. So, so he so he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. I was, he was training in um, Colorado. I can't remember where the camp was. They just um, they just made it a national, like, um, one of those national things now where they, uh, like, they dedicated it or something. I can't remember what it was called. Like a monument? Or yeah, something. like a monument thing. Yeah, camp something. I don't remember what it was called. But anyway, so he was in a, sleeping in a tent, sleeping in a tent, and a rattlesnake crawled right across his neck. While he was, uh, woke up the rattlesnake crawling across the <laughs> and he just sat there and let it slither out there. So I'm like, tell him, tell him that. And so he told them that. And <laughs> so, and then, and then, um, and then, uh, so I took my kids, my sons are uh, 10 and 8, and they're little versions of me with my wife's empathy. My wife's a pediatrician, so it's absolutely, thank God. And uh, so I took them to a movie called Cocaine Bear, and we were we were laughing, we were laughing our asses off. And then my ten-year-old friend, who's also ten, we brought him, and he's crying and you know because it's a human child. And then so we had to leave. <laughs> so that was my that was my childhood. We would you know my dad took me to RoboCop and Platoon, and, and <laughs> so then the kid, my friends would cry, and he'd be like, "What are you What are you doing?" So. Okay, so that was that. And then the diary entry, Christmas Day, 1945. So Christmas Day, Christmas Day, 1945. And, uh, excuse me, I think maybe it was 1944. I'll have to look that up. Actually, I'll, I'll find it in the book. But anyway, it was Christmas Day. So he was he was watching, he was on the ground and he was watching three, uh, three American planes, Christmas Day, 1944. I got it right here. Okay. So he was watching a dogfight between... Uh, three American planes and one Nazi plane. The Nazi plane uh, shot down the first two American planes. The, the third American plane uh, shot the, the Nazi plane. The Nazi pilot jumps out of the plane, and his parachute did not open. And my dad and his friends watch this, and he watched the body and goes, bam, bam. Body explodes. This Christmas Day. Christmas Day. And, and then they go over to the body, and they looked at the papers. One of them could read German. And then uh, um, the pilot was 17 on his first mission. Yeah. So oh. that's entrepreneur life. You can't, if you can't do that, then don't, do not become an entrepreneur. You can become a small business owner or an employee or consultant. Do not become an entrepreneur. Man, so your dad went through, went through a lot. That was, one, that was Christmas Day, 1944. <laughs> wow. Like, here's, here's a day. Hey, That's Dan, one day. Life. Yeah, I just opened it the other day because, uh, you know, it's just endless. It just gets worse. So he was in a plane and, like, bullets were flying through the plane and one just missed him. And, like, and then his, his friend got shot in the foot. There was another one where uh, he, his, the plane, he was with a plane and his friend and then the, the engine stopped and they had no parachute so that they just free landed it on a field. And then, uh, and then uh, he got out of the plane. He's like, whatever. And then, uh, well, I don't think he was like, whatever. But he got out of the plane. And then his friend jumped out on the ground, jumped out of the plane, and just started crying hysterically. Like, he just had had enough. That one really got to me. That really got to me. It, it, that, so my empathy kicks in there. I feel that very strongly. Yeah. It almost makes me stop talking. Do you think your dad, um, it sounds like your dad had just a real, a really genuine appreciation for life. So much love, him, so much wisdom. Think, and yeah. then I got the best of that. Yeah. Just enough of it. Just enough. Yeah. 
Well, um, Justin, tell me about a typical day now. I'd love to know just what what's a typical day like because it sounds like it's yeah. it's really cool. So a typical day, Monday through Friday. The weekends, I'd, it's just our sons are both incredible athletes. Just Monday through Friday, uh, I'm very, very simple. It's either spending time with my family or talking to the world's top entrepreneurs and connecting with them. That's it. Either in person or otherwise. That sounds like every day you are, like you said before, I mean, to say that you like being the dumbest guy in the room is, yeah. I think, a, a pretty amazing statement because I would say a lot of business leaders would love to think that they are the smartest person in the room. Ugh, those are business leaders, not entrepreneurs. Stops, right? no, 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 no. Those are business. No, no. Not right, but just typical, typical corporate business leaders. I don't talk I, I think to those people. Yeah, that's yeah. boring to me. So, what excites you most, Justin? What's what's that's what's it? One, give me no, an no, example. No, no, no. Yeah. Thank you. But no, my family yeah. and doing this. That's it. The purpose of my life is to be a connecting superhero. For every visionary who shares their stories with the world. So I never get tired of it. It's really fun, very lucrative, endlessly gratifying. And it allows me to spend as much time as I want with my family, which is even better than that. Because I know what it's like not to have a dad around. I'd like to ask you a little bit more about Strategic Coach. I've met several people now who've been part of Strategic Coach. and Yes. To a person, they are all just yeah. um, super high achievers, super inspirational. When yes. you first joined that organization, what 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 did you learn about it that that it was interesting or opened your eyes? So, there's a funny story behind that before I even joined it, because um, again, same formula: you keep making bigger investments to be in smaller rooms. So I was in like a $250 a year networking group, which, you know, it's an investment. I didn't know what, I didn't know what this world was yet. Mm -hmm. So I was in one of those rooms and I had a lunch with a guy. And I was talking like this. He's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but the owner of my company does. Uh, can you introduce me? And so uh, he did. And then that person's name is Gary Clavin. He's like Rain Man uh, with numbers in the financial world. He graduated first in his Army Rangers graduating class. He's most at peace when he's driving 200 miles an hour. Um, and uh, he's a coach and strategic coach uh, and a member. He's like, oh, you got to get out of this. You got to join the $10,000 a year room. I'm like, okay. So I joined that. And um, I would say it. At that level, maybe 10% understood what I was talking about. Now I'm in the 25k year level. 80% um, I can really learn from. And then Abundance 360 uh, is Peter Diamandis' group. Uh, I'm definitely the dumbest person in that room. Just, that's, those are the smartest most futuristic, craziest, highest achievers on the planet. So was it just being surrounded by those people? I mean, obviously, like, that's that's the environment. It's why would, like, you, why um, would you surround yourself with people that don't understand what you're talking about? I mean, that's just what I... <laughs> just it's like, a no-brainer. <laughs> right. I mean, it's logic. But most people, they overthink things, and they make excuses, and they talk themselves out of So I'm not like that. And then if, a, if someone who's a higher level of intelligence or wisdom is like, do that, I'm like, okay, I just do it. I don't overthink anything. I was inspired when I, I saw that you uh, you like to start your day focusing on what you're grateful for. And yes. you said something so simply profound. You said when you're constantly grateful, it's hard not to be grateful. And I thought that was such a beautiful statement. Thank you. Um so what does, does that look like? Do you journal or what does that look like when you get up in the morning in terms of just gratitude? Yeah. Thank you for saying that. My wife taught me how to say thank you. I was just talking to somebody today. Uh, I met him through a strategic coach. Uh, he's a full ADHD, 
total visionary. So I was telling him, oh, my wife taught me how to say thank you. And he's like, my wife taught me how to say you're welcome. I'm like, oh, hey, I met some. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. So it was ADHD meets minor Asperger's. It was hilarious. But then, um, yeah, so the first thing I do every day is uh, a grateful journal to my wife. So if you think the opposite personality is me, that would be my wife. Um, love, warmth, pediatrician rules. She just took her Gallup Clifton Strength Finders, and I was like, I almost got disgusted with this. Her number one strength is harmony. I'm like, harmony? Harmony? What the <laughs> hell is I'm, I'm 31 out of 34 in harmony. So she's harmony relator achiever. Harmony relator. Uh, I was wow. like, I'm just looking at it. Harmony. I, I, I love it. Even, I know, right? <laughs> and then she those, needs to those be, doctors, but I, oh. I love it. Those doctors that you, oh man, when you go in to see the doctor and they're just like you, treating you like you're a machine, it's like, wow, thank you. But when you that meet somebody me. who really gets, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless you're a visionary, then I then then my empathy comes in full. But um, but harmony and uh, but it's fascinating because she's like the glue for the family. She's just the glue. People meet my wife and they're like, and then they meet me and they get very confused. But then, so the most important thing for her in Enneagram or unconscious motivator, she's a two. So that's to be needed and appreciated. So the most important thing for her is for someone to say thank you for it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like mm. anything, any meaning, like I don't care at all of anyone. I don't even think about it except with her. So the first thing I do Every day is a grateful journal to her, what I'm grateful for to her. I never even send it to her. It's just to get me in the habit of staying thank you. Thank you. And then, okay, so then then, uh, then talking to the world's – oh, you ask about a typical day. Okay, so that's the first yeah. thing I do. So then talking to top entrepreneurs, basically all of them are very grateful. Why? Because gratitude attracts gratitude and repels arrogance and people make excuses. It, it just does. Uh because right mindset attracts right network and creates right opportunity. Wrong mindset creates wrong network, creates no opportunity. Same, same formula. But okay, so then you're just constantly filled up with gratitude for with people like that. And then end the day, uh, I'll, I'll include this in that with a grateful journal on LinkedIn Monday through Friday. What I'm grateful for that day, and it's like a commercial for other people. And then, as you said, which I appreciate, when you're constantly grateful. Uh, it's hard to be ungrateful, and then it attracts gratitude and repels arrogance. It repels it very strongly. I've seen that fascinatingly in real time for for many, many years now. That's cool. You mentioned LinkedIn, so let's talk about your new venture. You yeah. describe it as uh, LinkedIn <laughs> without the BS. Yes, yes. <laughs> Every time I'm on LinkedIn, all I all I get are these messages from LinkedIn you should consider signing back up for premium. And it's like, that's their main goal is to try to get me to subscribe to their premium service. But what's the BS about uh, LinkedIn that, that caused you again, you just kind of said a pain it. point that said, I want to create something better. You just said the yeah, that. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's two pain points. And again, see a problem, create a solution problem. Uh, so my partner for, for this company, he's competition one, maximizer two, empathy three. I'm I'm dead last, so he's like collaborative empathy, but he's a true visionary. Thinks much bigger than I do, and and so he'll take it to wherever, wherever it goes. But again, same formula. See a problem. I like LinkedIn, but most of it's BS. And then, again, all I do is talk to the top entrepreneurs. So I hear the same problem. They need to meet the right person. Need to find the investor. They need a, a new type of employee. They need a Hollywood script director for the film they're working on. So all this is is technology for what I'm already doing. It's just technology. It's just a platform for that with a partner who has incredible empathy and he's a bigger visionary than I am. So that's that. And then he does eight and nine figure deals all day. That's not my. That's not my world. That's not journalism world. Is doing eight and nine figure deals. I don't think it is. But. Um, so that's that's fun, and then again, you create the solution, and then you just you solve it, and then it will be a successful global company because it's just a hundred x, ten x of what already doing through PR. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's a subscription based uh, high platform. price point invite only connectivity platform. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, talk about the new book. You're working on a new book. Well, the new one just it came out. Uh, the Epic Life book. Yeah, that just came out. Oh. Uh, so that's 
tell me about that one then, because we we talked first about the one that came out in 2020. Yes. The Epic Life is... Uh, That's is one where Peter Diamandis... Uh, so, okay, so I'll slow down. Epic Business, uh, Chris Foster wrote Never Split the Difference, wrote the Ford for that. Very grateful for that. Um, I, I, you know, side note, I do recommend that you read, you would appreciate Epic Business. I think that would be a really helpful um, tool for you personally and folks in the audience, but for you personally. Hey, there's my empathy, right? Okay, so then, um, and Includer, and then Epic Thank Life. You. Is... <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Learn how to do that. And then, uh, and then uh, Epic Life, uh, where Peter, Dr. Peter Diamandis wrote the four. That's how to build collaborative global companies while, while putting your loved ones first. So you are surrounded by visionaries. You're a yes. visionary. Yes. Um, I, 60 Minutes recently did a, almost an entire episode on uh, artificial intelligence and mm. how it's going to yep. to change change the world. Yes. Man, that's exciting. It what, is. Give me your perspective on AI and okay. how do you think it's going to change life? That's such a good question. And again, Abundance 360, those are the top AI people on the planet. Um, hmm. And that's, that's who's in that. Okay, so, and then I'm a very simple person. So all the new technology and flying cars, like the, the people in that are building flying cars with the capital to do it. Like there was a flying car at, at the thing. Um, okay, so with AI and all this other stuff, it's great. I'm very thankful for it. Microchips get smaller and smaller. Great. Very thankful for it. I mean, we're talking on Zoom. It's amazing. I was talking to Ray Kurzweil in the metaverse. Ray Kurzweil is the top futurist in the, in the world. I was talking to him in, meta, in the metaverse, met somebody there, sent them my Calendly link, and then we met in Zoom. So think about that even a year. I mean, it's but okay, that's our world. Okay, so with all that technology, great. There are two things that will never change, never change, because I'm a simplifier and I see how things are. So one is the power of real human relationships. We are a world of real human relationships. Two is the power of storytelling. So Bible, hieroglyphics, smoke signals, the Constitution, libraries, we are a world of storytellers. So AI and all this other stuff will make the power of human, real human relationships better and the power of storytelling better. That is all they are to me. That's cool. One of our earlier guests on the podcast created a documentary called Finding Joe, all about uh, Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. And I, I mean, that's that. we're hardwired for stories, aren't we? Yeah, we're hardwired. That's that's how we communicate. So anything that can make that communication yeah. better and creates better human relationships. I mean, so meeting a human in the metaverse, connecting through Calendly and then on Zoom, that makes a human relationship better. We are talking on StreamYard after an intro via email uh, from a LinkedIn uh, connection. And then I met uh, Dan Rogers, who started this company through another connection of someone I met through email and then on Facebook. So like it's there's no it's just a different way of doing this. That's all it is. And then a true visionary will see the gap or problem or way to fix it and then create a solution for it. And you know, we saw with the pandemic um just really showed how valuable these 100%. platforms can be instead of oh, seeing yeah. it as a, a the, that's the upside I guess of of the pandemic is we saw so much more of what's possible technologically. Right? No, it just fast-tracked what was already going on, just most people didn't see it. Um, so the um, mm -hmm. uh, well before COVID, uh, I was saying there will be more companies like the first one where it's very high price point, very low overhead. You just do what you like to do and what you're good at, and you don't need to worry about a million employees and, and having a big office. And then, and then COVID fast-tracked that, but regardless of whether COVID had happened, things like that were going to happen. It just fast-tracked it. <clears throat> and then the day after COVID, the day after COVID really shut things down, I'm like, this will be the greatest opportunity of all time for people with the right mindset. And that's what it's been. When uh, you talked about when people laugh, laughed at you, laugh <laughs> at you. Um, Howard Schultz, Howard Schultz, when he was trying to raise money to take Starbucks from maybe a dozen stores, to what it is today he 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 had hundreds of meetings hundreds, trying to raise money probably and more pe and 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 people were laughing at him 
like he would come home at the end of the day and right. people would would have laughed they would laughed in his face they said right. people are that's not going to pay two dollars for a cup of coffee when humans laugh in your face yeah. that's when you know it's gonna work <laughs> is there a poignant moment or a story when you just realized i'm on the right track here when someone oh oh my god what a great question <laughs> okay so this is hilarious and true, which is even better. So I was at, and these are nice people. Okay. They're nice. They're good people. So, um, I was at maybe five months in, I was at a, and this is after the Robert Feeder article came out. And then, so I went to a small PR consultant meeting or something. It was, it was nice. And then I just sat there and we went around the table and then, and then I, I literally told them exactly what my company was doing. Like, literally, like, here's what it is. I'm just like, here, you can take this, do whatever you want with it. Everyone laughed. Everyone. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I just, I just left. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> I know this is doing well. It's going to be perfect. And then, and then, uh, and then I stopped watching the news years ago. I mean, I haven't, unless it accidentally comes through, I don't. I just completely ignored the mainstream. Well, we we need to start to wrap things up, Justin. Oh, yeah, yeah. This has been this has been fantastic. What's next for you? I know this new platform you're building, but just uh, give us a little bit of your inspiration um, because I just love to hear how you have turned what could have been uh, something bad into just an amazing new chapter of life. That's what life is. I mean, that's what it. Earl Nightingale, he's the OG. He's the OG of the great thinkers where it was recorded. And uh, I think it's called The Strangest Secret. My favorite quote from that is, success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. And you become what you think about, you become what you think about. So for me, a worthy ideal is to be connecting superhero for every visionary shares their stories with the world so progressive realization of that worthy ideal and then spending time with my family there's nothing else for me and i found the rest of this stuff just kind of takes care of itself that's cool thanks well this has been fun thank you thank you so much justin thanks for taking the time man i know that uh, your time is valuable and i appreciate you great interview really appreciate it I'm Mark Wright. Thanks for listening to Beats Working, part of the Work P2P family. New episodes drop every Monday. And if you've enjoyed the conversation, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Special thanks to show producer and web editor Tamar Medford. In the coming weeks, you'll hear from our Contributors Corner and Sidekick Sessions. Join us next week for another episode of Beats Working, where we are winning the game of work.